Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Coomer. It is, in fact, a great day to be fired up about the University of Cincinnati's athletic program. Indeed, it is. And I actually, I missed an opportunity there because really what I should have said was, live from New York, it's Hummer. <laughs> How's well, your move, buddy? You're, I mean, you're, you finally a, made it to New York. We finally made it. We're here. Um, you know, the Big Apple, we're ready for stardom, uh, Bearcat stardom. Uh, you know, it, it's good. It's great. The, the, the I love it. It was set up. Um, I've been able to, you know, peruse Twitter, uh, been able to see the news, the happenings, um, starting to get a little bit of that fired upness because we are sub 100 days until kickoff against the lowly Miami. Shouldn't have a football program at all, Red Hawks. Uh, you know, and we'll, we'll get into the football talk, but basketball, real quick. Wes Miller, man, he's crushing it, right? He's on fire. He's, he's not just fired up, he is on fire. He got he Kenya is. Martin on his. He got. He has Kenya Martin in his corner now. <laughs> we should. We need to talk about Wes Miller and everything he's done so far in his very, very abbreviated off season. Um, to give everybody a quick update, officially, as we record this podcast, we are eighty nine days, seventeen hours, and now fifty seconds away from kickoff against Miami. So we are. We are getting there. We are now sub ninety days. We are going to be talking a lot about the football program today. That's going to be with Joe Barnett of RepublicofCincinnati.com. He's going to be joining us probably for several weeks indefinitely to kind of preview the football team position by position, offer great breakdowns. This week was quarterbacks. That's coming to you in a few minutes. But Hummer, you are absolutely right. We need to talk about the basketball program because Wes Miller, since getting hired as the head coach, of the University of Cincinnati basketball team has absolutely dominated, bodied the offseason. He has he has seemingly done everything we wanted him to possibly, anything we could have wanted him to accomplish, he has so far accomplished as head coach. Meet with the alumni, show them. He prioritized meeting with our basketball alumni like Kenyon Martin, Dermar Johnson, you know, just royalty in terms of Cincinnati Bearcats basketball. He prioritized that over almost everything else when he got hired. He then went out and filled the roster. Our roster is set. We have 13 scholarship players just like that. And now what he's done, which I think is maybe the biggest deal, is he has found a way to re-engage the fan base from a social media and just, just content basis. He's providing... The program is again providing updates in terms of photographs, video content. They are, uh, it's just, it feels right again. It feels like a program that is proud of what they're doing and wants to share with the fan base hey, this is what we're doing to get ready for the season. We're excited. We want you to be excited. Follow along, buy in. Well, and you're also forgetting, you know, that we have two, you know, he promised to give alumni a shot a alumni a chance at joining the staff if they if it was appropriate and we now have kyle washington 
who is the the bridge from the Mick Cronin era, one of the the key pieces of the very successful, um, or I guess you could say the successful failures. Um, Did you say your least favorite player of all time? My least favorite player of all time, Kyle <laughs> Washington. Um, but look, I'm happy that he's a former alumni. I'm glad he's on the staff. He he brings he knows what he does know what the culture of Cincinnati is. He knows what the fan base expects, and you know he is a hard worker. You can Demar take that Johnson. take back now, right? Like I'll give you a chance. We'll just we'll forget it ever happened. Fine. I'm going to take it back. Kyle right, Washington is no longer my least favorite player. That goes to an I'm sorry, uh, quad squad. Quadri Moore is my least favorite Bearcat of all time. Uh, I don't care. You guys can come at me. Bring it on. Um, but that 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 stands there as saying. But then we also had Dermar Johnson, a friend of the podcast. He is on the staff. But what a great way to, to link the two the two eras, uh, great eras of, of UC basketball. Uh, you guys, I think, are going to be tremendous additions to the staff. Are going to be able to grow and develop uh, in their coaching career. So I'm excited about that. But you missed the most important thing Wes Miller did this week, or maybe it was last week. I don't know. They blended together. He went on a little podcast, That's and right. he engaged in a little pillow talk. <laughs> All right, he talked with the king of the pillows. He talked with the king of the pillows. King of the he catchphrase. Took in, he took in the task too. King he of the corny. Up. I heard you said that this this was an all time low, and you could hear John Rostin just like kind of squirming and wiggling and not really even answering the question. Basically oh. being like, "Well, I meant that because uh, oh. your article, John, specifically referenced how the University of Cincinnati was treating a certain coach who used to be here. You know, someone that we used to know, and frankly, John." You're that's you're you're still a crackpot. All right, stop. So I don't know what you're smoking, but get the hell out of here. All right, I'm the so all time. Glad. That's not an all time low. I'm so glad you brought this up because I we had obviously shared. Uh, we made fun of him online. John Rothstein had a, a real opportunity here to show people a side of him that maybe we haven't seen before. You know, you were at the time when he dropped his all time low article about the Bearcats, he was objectively wrong. And it was a horrendously written article and just, just lazy and, and boring and, and typical, you know, typical John Rothstein type content. It just was weak and it was transparent in terms of who he was appeasing when writing that article. He had an opportunity here when Wes Miller calls him out about it to say, kind of chuckle and poke fun at himself and say, you know what? I missed the mark here. Wasn't a good article. Instead of doing that, he misrepresented it as, you know, kind of flippant comments that he made. This was, these weren't comments, John. You wrote, you wrote a, whole, a whole fucking article about it, all right? It was a whole allegedly thought-out article about the UC Bearcats basketball program being at an all-time low and then misrepresented what the article was actually about and how much detail it went in terms of trying to... to throw shade at the university for what they were doing in terms of ousting a coach who was obviously not up to the job of being head coach of the Bearcats program, both from a results standpoint, but more importantly, player welfare standpoint, John, it was an embarrassing article and it's even more embarrassing how you ran away from it and misrepresented it uh, when talking to Wes Miller and back down about it. Just pathetic, pathetic all-time stuff from John Rothstein. I think I think John Rothstein may be at an all-time low, uh, but you know what? That's fine. The Bearcat program is not. We are on the up and up, as we like to say. We are going to the moon. 
So strap on in, guys. Get in. We're on the, the rocket strap ship is blasting off. Strap it's it on. <laughs> the University of Cincinnati Athletics Department is going to the moon, and it starts in 89 days, 17 hours, and some odd amount of minutes that Coomer pointed out. Uh, we are going to the moon. The Bearcat basketball program is on the rocket. It's going to happen. I'm pumped up. I'm fired up. But that's well, I, enough about basketball, don't you no, think? It, it's probably about enough. I, I just wanted to say, you mentioned how important it was that he hired Dermar Johnson as, as director of player development. And I, I couldn't agree more. You know, it was an oversight and not mentioning that in my list of accomplishments. We were definitely going to get to it. Um, when you hire former players, especially of Dermar Johnson's stature, here's the thing. It's not, it's not any sort of token hire. This is a guy with with several years of NBA experience with tremendous connections in the DMV who is widely respected in the NBA community and in just the basketball community at large. And now you have that on your staff. It's a layup. And for and for previous administrations to not take advantage of, of resources like that was an extremely ridiculous oversight. And so Huge deal. You alluded to Kenyon Martin being bought in. He reacted to that hire with excitement. And honestly, I'm glad to see that because the, I guess the criticism of Kenyon is that he speaks up when he's upset and there's not a lot of feedback when things are going well, but this is clearly, he's clearly someone who cares about university of Cincinnati basketball. He wants to see it restored to a place that that former alumni can be proud of and will be received well. And, and from things I'm hearing, that's not the end of what our administration is going to be doing in terms of player, player engagement um, and, re and reaching out to our alumni to make sure they feel like they are a part of this program and celebrated the way they should be. And I'm really excited what's to come. I think we're going to get some really cool, new and exciting announcements coming from the athletic administration here over the coming weeks. Can't we wait to talk them, about those more. Do you think one of them is going to be a year and a half in the making like is hashtag retire 22 or are they finally going to put some respect where, where, where is his Jersey going to be in the arena? Like that, that's going to happen, <laughs> right? Like it needs to happen. So I'm hoping that's one of the things that's on their radar. It seems like they're clued into what actually needs to happen. Yeah. I remember we, when we had Leonard Stokes on the podcast for the first time, it was, we kind of were beside ourselves and thinking, you know, when are they going to retire his Jersey? It's, it just seems like a no brainer. And, you know, we ended up having Chad Brendel on a few weeks after that and, and talked about our, our desire to see Steve's jersey in the rafters. And I think he largely agreed. He also pointed out that Danny Fortson should have his jersey retired. And honestly, I don't disagree. Fortson should be in the rafters too. So if the administration wants to take it upon themselves to right both of these wrongs and put 25 and 22 in the rafters this coming season, I got no problem with it. And I'm happy to see that we're going to get more momentum going behind the hashtag retired 22 and, and let's add the hashtag retire, retire 25. I would love to see Fortson in fifth third arena this season. Obviously it seems like Steve's going to be there plenty. I'm sure DeMar is going to be having these guys back in the stadium on a regular basis. Hey man, it's an exciting time to be a Cincinnati Bearcats basketball and football fan, you know, just sports fan in general, buddy. Well, Hashtag retire 22. Let's get it done. Let's uh, let's go ahead and get to Joe Barnett here. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking to Joe Barnett of Republic of Cincinnati.com. Longtime Cincinnati Bearcat football fan. Like this is a guy who lives and breathes Bearcat football. 
football fan through thick and thin. This is a man who slugged through enthusiastically through the Tommy Tuberville era, wanting to get people to the games. Look, this man sticks through it. This man knows the Bearcats inside and out. He has some great opinions and he has some, some great knowledge of the sport. We're happy to have him on. Let's do it. Without further ado, Joe Barnett. We are now joined by Joe Barnett, contributor at therepublicofcincinnati.com. We're going to talk some football. Joe, thank you for joining the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Sports Podcast today. Great to be here, guys. How you doing? Doing well, Joe. Doing well. Um, you know, we're at that, that part of the year. Hummer and I actually have taken two weeks off. We're just coming back. Um, sorry about that for anybody listening, but Hummer was going through a move. And frankly, uh, after everything that transpired over the month of April, I think uh, we just needed a couple weeks to to decompress mentally and emotionally from what we went through as Bearcat basketball fans. But I do think we would be well served to start doing some previewing of the football team. And that's primarily why we have you on today. But before we dive into that, let's hear a little bit more about you, your experience as a Bearcats football fan, you know, just, to, just tell me about yourself and, and kind of your history as a Bearcat sports or football fan. So I, uh, I came to UC in 2006 and I didn't have a, a deep connection to the university at that point. I grew up, uh, in a, like a, not a big college athletics type of family. So when I came to UC, you know, the basketball team was kind of in, in turmoil and the football team started creeping up. So as time kind of went on, I really fell in love with the football team. And, you know, we had the the big years. They got better in 07, 08, 09. I went to the Orange Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, which were both absolutely phenomenal experiences. And then, you know. I only know about in, one of them. <laughs> which one did you go to? I went I went to both cities. I only made yeah. it to one of the games. <laughs> oh, yeah. that is a story for the podcast one day. Yeah. I, I was at the Sugar Bowl in body only as well. So, um, <laughs> but, you know, the, the football program kind of treaded water uh, for a few years, obviously took a dive. And then um, once once Fickle came on board, obviously the sky's the limit now. Um, but. I actually started writing an email for our tailgate group back in probably 2012, trying to like convince people to come to games and uh, it's kind of evolved into me writing. And then I've made my way onto the Republic of Cincinnati website. And then uh, now I'm here talking to you guys. So it's kind of just been like an organic growth. It's kind of weird as an engineering major to be, uh, you know, doing writing and stuff. Cause usually they're, you know, we're not great with words and whatnot, but here I am. And you've made it. You're on Cincy Slang and dude, this is it. pinnacle. I made, I made the big time. <laughs> you know, a lot of people peak in high school, but here I am 34. Life's good. <laughs> What's great is that uh, I, I didn't realize this, but you, your, your time at Cincinnati and your age actually kind of matches up perfectly with Hummer and myself. I started attending UC in 2006 as well. And I don't know if it's that first year. I think it might be. But the first bowl game experience I remember attending at Cincinnati was the PapaJohns.com Bowl in Birmingham, Alabama. 
Did you get a taste of that bowl game? Because I know you were excited about the sugar bowl, the orange bowl, that, that Papa John's.com bowl is something, something to behold. I actually enjoyed that at home with a nice uh, Papa John's pizza, some garlic, uh, some of the garlic dipper. I, I didn't make my way to Birmingham, but uh, I had a few friends that went and they say that they said they had a good time, but I was working and just didn't really have the excitement to take off work to go to that one. See, I didn't, I didn't know Coomer at the time, so I didn't get an invite uh, to that one. Um, so I too was watching that from the comfort of my, probably my parents' house, if I had to guess. Yeah, I was invited onto the uh, bus trip, which I heard was a uh, a shit show, but I, I didn't make my way. So that's what we did was the bus trip, and it was a bit of a shit show. And you know, I don't remember much from that bus trip, but what I do remember is that we were being serenaded. Uh, by by the soft soft dulcet tones of Mark Kroger and his covers of Creed, and we I think he was singing Creed for at least you know seven of the eight hours down to Birmingham. Look at this photograph. Uh, right. Is that the wrong that's, one? Is that, that's Nickelback? Can you take me higher? <laughs> that's right. Um, what a, what a memory. Anyway, I'm I'm completely off track now because of thinking about that bus trip, but um. It's a kind of an amazing origin story, though, to to think that you your your start as a writer or at least you know a blogger for the Cincinnati Bearcats began as someone begging people to go to games. I guess you don't have the same problem anymore. You don't necessarily have to really convince or twist arms to get people to go to Cincinnati Bearcat football games anymore. Definitely not like I did uh, four or five years ago. That's for sure. So tell me, before we get into to Des Ritter and the quarterbacks here, tell me a bit about the tailgate. Where do you guys tailgate? What's the situation there? Is that a, uh, can we get uh, Hummer and I to a, to a tailgate this year? Oh, absolutely. So, so I'll, I'll go back in time a little bit. Um, before I was actually tailgating with the Republic, um, I would hang out in the Martinez lot, me and my friends uh, back behind Martinez. And you have to get there at the, ass crack of dawn to like get a reasonable spot where you could have more than like five square feet so we would always get there super early and i'd be just absolutely wrecked at the games which was great um i think one of tuberville's last games i was asked to leave the stadium because i was heckling him behind the bench were you the guy he he told to get a job was that you joe god god i wish (laughs) that'd be the that would be the pinnacle of my life right there True. If I could have been the reason that that Tommy Tuberville was no longer at the University of Cincinnati, man, that'd be great. <laughs> um, but I actually ended up linking up with the Republic of Cincinnati guys uh, up at Purdue. Me and my friends rented an RV and they actually uh, reached out via Twitter and asked if we'd save them a spot next to us. And we threw a killer tailgate uh, in the RV lot at Purdue which was an awesome time. And then I uh, hung out with them up at Michigan as well. And then me and Mike became pretty good friends. And then I've been rolling with the Republic. So uh, the Republic actually tailgates on the grid, uh, which is at Sigma Sigma Commons. So tailgate plans are always on their on the website, republicofcincinnati.com. So everyone's welcome, as long as you're not a dick. Um, if you want to eat, throw some money in the box, bring beer. Everyone has a great time. It's family friendly. Um, quite a few of the people in the group have friends. They actually have this like cage for the children. They call the Thunderdome. 
they just throw all the kids in there and let them rage. So it's a pretty I good like time. It. I like it. You know, provide them with fruit punch or Kool-Aid and just let it, let it descend into chaos from there. Juice boxes and rage. <laughs> Having the, the tailgates opened at in the Sigma Sigma comments, I think was one of like a, whoever had that idea, like the stroke of genius that that, that was. Cause that, I feel like that was a big issue prior to the season that they had that finding a tailgate spot was pretty challenging, uh, you know, around camps to trying to find different party like, cause then eventually I think when the church has actually stopped allowing, we would, we, we would do the church up on uh, McMillan. I think it was McMillan. I can't remember. Yeah. The, it's crossroads now. Um, yeah. But that was the church that the spires uh, burnt, burnt and like crashed on that one year. Yeah. So I actually lived right across from them. So I got a, I had a front row view of that going down. But yeah, they stopped allowing us tailgating there, and then it just became really, really challenging to find tailgate spots. And so when they opened up Sigma Sigma Comms, it felt like all hell broke loose. You know, it was just like a for the first couple of years, at least I remember. Maybe just because I was younger, it was a party. <laughs> that's, yeah, all, that's all it was. It, it's it's a great atmosphere. Um, I highly recommend if anyone hasn't been to the grid for a tailgate to swing by, uh, even if you don't know people and you don't like feel comfortable going up to like one of the different tailgate groups, like the den or Lucy gate or whatever groups are down there. They actually have like food trucks and, uh, beer trucks down there. So it's a great experience. I highly recommend it. Yeah. And you also, you also get to see some of the, um, some of the more famous UC alumni, former players will, will roam, roam the grid, uh, basketball and football players alike. Uh, so I highly recommend it. It's probably one of the things I missed the most about UC football with the tailgate. The tailgate game was was um, getting down there on Sigma Sigma. And then if you're a college student, this is an unethical life tip. Uh, if you're leaving the game, a lot of the coolers are unattended. <laughs> <laughs> the Republic unethical of Cincinnati does tip. lock their stuff up, so don't look around the uh, don't look around the trailer. This is a disclaimer. Yeah, I would, I would, I would hate to say that I'm innocent, but yes, I have, I have definitely gone and grabbed a beer out of an unattended cooler on my way back to my apartment from the game. Now I've got to put one of those ridiculous nerdy disclaimers at the end of this podcast about not taking Hummer's financial or life advice, uh, so as to make sure we are not held liable for that that person's hey, un- either citation or night in jail, whatever it ends up being. Yeah, I, I think uh, best behavior is just if you don't finish your beer, just leave it out for the college kids. They've, uh, you know, they've had a <laughs> rough couple of weeks. Just leave it out for them. I like they're that. like uh, rally possum. Just let them have a couple of beers and get on with it. That's kind of how as I got older. It's kind of how I looked at it. I'd bring you know, like a twelve pack or a case of whatever Bud Light, Natty, Hootie, but when it was still being made, and I'd leave it. And with the best intentions that it would be there when I got back, if it wasn't, I wasn't upset, you know, because I felt like it was just karma coming back around to me. <laughs> I love it. All right, boys. Well, let's get into, I'll, I'll first try and explain what we're going to do with you here, Joe. So Hummer and I, this podcast started in 2019, strictly as a Cincinnati Bearcats basketball podcast, because that's what we know and, and follow the most closely. Uh, or had up until recently. Um, I was explaining to you before we started the po- the podcast episode that as I moved away from Cincinnati, that basically coincided with the the Tommy Tuberville area era. And uh, I'm not going to take 
I'm not going to feel too bad about this, but I fell out of touch with the football team somewhat during that period of time. It got dark. It was not fun. It wasn't very likable. And, uh, and uh, apathy set in. However, obviously, with the, the onboarding of Luke Fickle and what he has done over the past several years, it's been easier to follow the team. And, and it's much more of a it's it's a much more of a love affair at this point. So we've tried to start covering the football team more last season. And now going into our second year, we want to do a better job of providing offseason kind of offseason preview content for the upcoming football season. And, and you offered a good suggestion for how we could partner with you and do this. And it's sort of offering position by position breakdowns or previews where we, we talk about different, you know, question marks on that position group or uh, expectations for that position group, position battles, things of that nature. And so for week one, I like where you went with this week. The first week we do this with you, your first week on the podcast, we're going to keep it simple and we're going to do this with a position group where there's not a lot of questions. We got a ton of answers last season. And so going into 21, 22, I guess it's the 21 season. Um, we're going to start this off by talking about the quarterback position. And that's obviously led by none other than Desmond Ritter. So Joe, when you think about this quarterback position, and knowing the fact that we're not going into the season with any sort of quarterback controversy or, or even remote debate about who's going to be playing quarterback. What has you most excited, let's say about Desmond Ritter in the 2021 20, season. I just think it's amazing. And, and I actually posted on uh, Republic Cincinnati.com today, if you guys want to check that out, but if you actually look Desmond Ritter has a legitimate chance to finish number two all time in NCAA wins as a starting quarterback. Like if you see won the national championship, he would finish second behind Kellen Moore in all time wins, which is just absolutely insane to think about. Um, now, do I think that the college football invitational is going to let that happen? Absolutely not. But um, you know, there's a pretty legit chance that Ritter probably finishes the season third all time in wins tied with Andy Dalton, ironically enough, and uh, David Green from Georgia with uh, 42 career wins. And, you know, thinking about that as my time as a Bearcat with all the turmoil, it seemed like UC could never catch a break on having a full season starter. And here we are. So I just think that's absolutely amazing to think about. That's pretty outstanding company. And so if we're going to put numbers on it, he's at looking at your article here, he's at 30 wins entering his senior season. And we've got a regular season slate. That's going to feature 12 games. I'm I have to think that we're not going to experience the same tumultuous game cancellation, postponement chaos that we did in 2020. I don't know. The PGA, so the PGA says different. <laughs> Hummer. Bummer. Bummer, Hummer. Yeah. Um, so assuming he gets those 12 games, I mean, you're saying a realistic shot, tying those guys, tying green, tying Dalton would, would require us to, it sounds like go undefeated. Well, but, and, and, and I'm saying that including uh, AAC championship okay. and potentially a bowl game. Okay. Um, but the crazy thing to think about is Des Ritter could pass Peyton Manning with all-time wins in the regular season. Yeah. He only needs 10. Yeah. 
more a, a more winning quarterback than Peyton Manning at Tennessee, like not like some just you know Podunk University. Like we're talking about Peyton Manning and Tennessee when they were in their prime. So yeah, Tennessee when Tennessee good was company. good. This is Tennessee pre Butch Jones. This is Ugh. this is legitimately really good Tennessee before Lane Kiffin. Before. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, you know, I just, I love thinking about Des Ritter and, and all he's experienced at Cincinnati because the fact is he came in as a freshman and, and overachieved from that point on. Like when he got in, he instantly was, had moxie, uh, was clearly gifted in terms of being able to extend plays, run the ball, make plays, especially when you, when you considered it for a freshman, he, he makes his way to, I'm kind of skipping over his sophomore year, but that, you know, he's, he's entering his junior season last year and I feel like it must have been the way the sophomore season ended I think you alluded to it in your article there was in ups and downs that might have been driven by injuries just some inconsistency in throwing the football and it's you know he's not perfect he's not a perfect quarterback but last season after a rough start against um who was who was that rough start against in the beginning of the season was that our that was army or no that was navy no, they played they played Austin P and he played pretty well. And the start of the army game was pretty rough, but that and and a lot of people look back on this play, but the the option play in the first quarter where the uh, defensive lineman actually just like pretty much picked it off on the pitch. Like that defensive lineman made an incredible play and and I'm not going to put that one on Ritter as much. He probably shouldn't have pitched it. But right. the, the game where people were really questioning him was the USF game. And that, that was true. where that was where he looked rough. He had three picks and he just looked completely clueless out there in that game. I mean, he didn't even he he only had 28 rushing yards that game. So he just had a rough go of it. And it was, you know, after three weeks of kind of mediocre play. I was kind of thinking maybe it's time to get Ben Bryan a shot. And then he, you know, he came out against SMU and the rest is pretty much history from there. And that's kind of what I was building to is, so you have the first three games of the season, Austin P army, and then USF, and you've got a fan base. I, it might've been split. might've been 75, 25 uh, in terms of saying, look, maybe we need to give the backup quarterback a look. I actually wasn't one of those guys and it might've just been, I think I was basing it on the track record. The fact that I trust the coaching staff, the fact that, look, if we're going to put this much faith in Luke fickle, I'm going to bank on him making the correct call from a quarterback standpoint. But the fact is he wasn't playing very well. The turnaround he experienced the rest of the year after those first three games, I don't, I don't have, I don't remember any quarterback that I've ever had personal experience with in terms of following where you saw that dramatic of a turnaround where it's just undisputed. This is a player who's putting up stats, at least for a stretch of time at one point last season, that were legitimately, you know, Heisman-worthy type statistics in terms of what he was doing, rushing, passing, winning. It was, it was a hell of a run for Des Ritter for the last, I guess, seven, eight games of the year. Yeah, it was, it was a night and day difference. And uh, if you look at the, the offensive scheme, they're running a lot of more, a lot more of the RPO run pass option stuff, especially in that SMU game. He rushed for almost 180 yards in that game and three touchdowns. So, 
uh, once they kind of changed that offense, and I'm not sure whether they kind of held that back in the first three games thinking they didn't need to unleash it or if the coaching staff looked at it and said, maybe we need to change something up. But obviously Ritter became a lot more comfortable uh, with that RPO style offense. It almost seemed like there was a stubbornness in terms of how they came out last year saying, no, we're going to put all the questions to bed about Des Ritter's accuracy and his ability to throw downfield. And we're just going to do that. Like all we're going to do is try and air it out downfield and be explosive and, and let him show off his arm when, okay, like that's fine. I get it. You want to, you want to develop, you want to show people that you have added this ability in your game, but what has made him special and what will continue to make him special as a quarterback is what he can do with his feet and how he can extend plays and, and offering that threat from an offensive standpoint of saying, Hey, I can, if, if you're, I can take off with the ball and I can go 80 yards downfield for a touchdown as he did against, I think it was SMU. Yeah. And then the other thing with that too, is Alec Pierce was out the first three weeks. So they're missing their number one uh, passing option. And I'm sure with like the COVID uh, the COVID year, he probably didn't have a lot of opportunity to get the uh, timing down with all of his new receivers because they pretty much gutted the wide receiver room after 2019 too. So that few-week layoff they had between USF and SMU probably was pretty big to get that timing down and help them build confidence in their receivers as well. Do you, if as we go into this next season, are there any lingering questions about Des Ritter? Are there any, are there any you know talking points or or question marks that you want to see, or you're asking yourself as you kind of review the roster and review the team? that have you wondering, you know, is this a place where Des, Des Ritter can take his game to the next level? Or, hey, if, if he, like when we play teams like Indiana or Notre Dame, what are you looking to see from Des next year in terms of taking it up a notch? I think Ritter needs to really focus on his pocket presence this season, especially if he's looking to push his way up the draft board. It's very obvious he has, he has the legs, he has the wheels to take off. And if our offensive line is at least comparable to this past year's, he should be able to let those plays develop and really work his arm out. Um, I know a lot of people kind of question his arm strength. I don't know that he has an arm strength issue. I think it might be more of a downfield accuracy kind of thing. And he didn't really get a ton of opportunities. He did make some big throws last year, but I'd like to see more uh, deep, downfield throws from him this season well I, th I think I think he did have some opportunities I think he just missed on a lot of them um, early in the season and you know this is all yeah I, I guess guessing on my part because I don't know what's being said behind the scenes but it's almost like we stopped running plays designed to, to test his his accuracy downfield you know we started running more short and medium medium length passing and using his legs to kind of open up those types of plays. Uh, so I, I think you're 100% right. And I don't think it's a strength issue. It's an accuracy issue. And I thought we even had, you know, saw maybe a little bit of that um, in the spring game on the super deep passes. But he's, I think he's still serviceable on, you know, anything from that 20 to the 25, maybe even 30 yard length. I think that's like the range of his, for his accuracy. Anything further than that, I think is where we run into some issues. I don't think that's going to be an issue with our conference though. I think we're still going to be able to, you know, kind of roll through conference play with, with that. I think we're going to have to see that develop 
later on when we start talking, you know, what's the next, what's the next move? You know, we're, we are looking at potentially being, I know Coomer doesn't agree with this and your comment makes it sound like you don't agree either, but when we're talking playoff, uh, you know, come December, playoff. You know, that's playoff. Yeah. I finally said it in that DS. I think that's something you're, we're really going to, it's really going to be a question, you know, is that something that we're, it's going to be needed to, to win um, some against some of this next level competition. Uh, so I think that's a legitimate cause for concern, but honestly, if you're looking at the last few games that Ritter played, I mean, if he had the whole season like that, we were talking a potential Heisman candidate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, and I think he's got it in him. Uh, I think it's going to be a matter of, finding receivers that are going to be able to get open and get downfield and him getting that timing. And I hope to God that playing against this defense every day just doesn't scare him off. Cause I can't imagine trying to like throw against uh, Kobe and sauce and Arquan Bush, man, it's gotta be a nightmare. I thought that stood out in the spring game. I haven't been to every spring game having just moved back to Cincinnati in the last year and a half, but this year I did, I got to go at least for part of it and watched and watched the defense fly around like madmen. I mean, when you're looking at, and I know it's a spring game and you, it's, it's a grain of salt. I'm not going to put all my chips in any sort of basket from, from opinions I'm gaining from different plays that I'm seeing on the spring football game field, but Every time that I, I saw a Bearcat quarterback drop back to make a play downfield, there just either wasn't anything there or it was getting picked off or broken up or was just off the mark. It just seemed like a nightmare to play against our defense. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the turnover on the offensive line this year. Um, especially, I think John Williams is probably going to get an opportunity to start either at left or right tackle. And uh, from what I've heard, he, he had to miss some practices early in the spring because of his class schedule. So he probably didn't get a lot of that timing down with like the rest of the offensive line group. And I'm sure they were moving people around. I know I saw Mets playing left guard, which is kind of insane with as big of a human he is to play guard, <laughs> but you know, they're probably doing some tinkering on the line and that probably threw off uh, the protections and whatnot. But towards the end of the spring game, Ritter came in and marched him downfield for a touchdown and they looked pretty good. He made some big throws, but we're going to need to see some, some big time throws from Ritter, especially against Indiana, Notre Dame, and then potentially in a, in a new year six or a college football playoff game. If we're going to, you know, keep progressing. So if we're going to have the ending to a season that we wanted, that we almost got last year against Georgia, because the fact is he played pretty well against Georgia. And I thought when things broke down in that game, it, it was largely attributable to the offensive line. Yeah. One particular individual, one on the particular line, <laughs> and one, one particular absolutely boneheaded play that pretty much ruined my day. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I looked at everybody I was watching the game with and I said that, that play cost us the game. And I hate to, I hate to be like that. I'm not going to knock the guy because, you know, I'm not on the field and I'm not hearing what's going on, but that was just a total bummer, especially, you know, to lose with 
three seconds left like that. But I mean, you're either, he was an integral part of the line and yeah, I know we don't really win a knock him, but that's, that is the thing that you can point back to. And when you're looking at the stats from that game, you know, going into that game, we, he would have been sacked 10 times all year. Georgia managed to get eight sacks on him. Yeah, but at the same time, to Ritter's credit, for how often he was being rushed, especially in the second half of that game, he still threw zero interceptions. He still gave up. He wasn't turning the ball over in the sense that it was mistakes. It literally was a pass protection issue. Yeah. So he, by all accounts, he had a great game still. I, I completely agree with Coomer's sentiment there that that was a great game. So I think at this point, it's it's picking up where he left off. We're going to have to see the offensive line. Uh be stronger than what it was against Georgia. You know, there's there's some big shoes to fill there. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear that Joe's on board with the root cause analysis that that I had after that game, which was if we were going to power rank, you know, the reasons we lost this football game, I thought number one had to be that that personal foul penalty by by James Hudson. That was just absolutely brutal. I thought it changed the dynamic of the game going forward. And uh, anyway, no reason to to relitigate old terrible memories but it was something that uh that will stick with us for a long time yeah and and i do think ritter played really well in that game and he played awesome in the first half when he you know when he had great protection so i i think ritter can perform against indiana i'm and i'm not nearly as worried about them as i am notre dame um but i do think you'll see a different offense when we go to South Bend, I don't see them running out their traditional offense against Notre Dame with Marcus Freeman on the other side. So that'll be interesting to see what happens there. That will be a, a nice chess match in that, in that particular game. And the reason that that Georgia game and that Georgia play is so relevant is because we are moving into this season without James Hudson and a lot of offensive line turmoil. And we'll save that conversation for down the line, because I think it's one of the most interesting, but also important position groups for the team this year. But obviously, Des Ritter is 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 the end all be all for this Bearcats football team from a quarterback position. But that doesn't mean he's the only quarterback on the team. And coming well, into the before, season, is before we move off from Ritter, I want to ask one question. Sure. All right. Is it crazy? Should we be having the conversation of Desmond Ritter as a Heisman candidate? Is that something that realistically we we could be having preseason? Absolutely, without a doubt. And and I actually think you'll see a push from the athletic department on that, uh, probably starting in the not too distant future. Um, I kind of looked at Lamar Jackson's stats, his Heisman winning year. And I kind of am looking at Ritter looking at probably about 3,500 yards passing. That's about 250 yards a game over a 14 game season and rushing for about 750. Now, I think he could absolutely dominate those numbers. Um, I'm being a little uh, being a little soft on those numbers because I think they're going to want to get uh, a lot of time for Evan Prater in, especially in the first two games and in some of the conference games. But uh, Lamar or uh, Lamar Jackson had 3,600 passing yards and 1,600 rushing yards and like 50 total touchdowns when he won the Heisman. So I don't think it's out of reach, especially if UC ends up making the the playoff. Well, I, I think I, that the, the narrative is going to be a big piece of getting to the playoff because 
you know, I, I think I said it last year, and I don't know if it came off the wrong way, but I'm like that those first three games keeping Ritter out of the Heisman conversation was something maybe that was keeping us out of the play, like and a real consideration for the playoff because it was a narrative that for some reason we know that's something that they want. You know, Kirk Kirk Derp Street has to have some sort of narrative to to be okay with putting Cincinnati in. And Desmond Ritter being a Heisman contender and getting to the end of the season, being in the the top three names still in contention for the award is a huge narrative driver. And that's a huge, that keeps Cincinnati the buzz going. And it keeps, it's, you know, if you get to the point where Des has just been phenomenal, he has a 3,500 yard season. He throws for 25 touchdowns. He rushes for, you know, 10 more touchdowns, whatever it may be, something insane. And he's clearly going to win the Heisman. It's hard to keep the Heisman winner out of the playoff. I agree a hundred percent on that. And, and I think, I think the proof's going to be in the pudding as it speaks, but you know, if, if we, if Ritter comes out and has a couple big weeks and we head up to Indiana, that's really going to get the hype machine going. Absolutely. Yeah. That's those, there's a chance early in this season for the momentum to get going, not just for UC as a top 10 team and rising, uh, but also Des Ritter and his Heisman candidacy. Cause if you knock, if you could pull off a couple big victories in October, uh, there's, there's going to be big time headlines with respect to, to who's leading the Heisman conversation and which G five team is going to be making the college football invitational playoff invitational this season. Sorry. I won't, I won't use the playoff word anymore. I'm all about, I'm um, all about the hype train. So let's keep the hype train. Let's roll it in. All right. Let's get the steam. Let's get the whistles blowing. Let's, let's get it. Let's get it on. And I'm actually glad you paused us from moving on Hummer. Cause there was an interesting, another interesting observation you made in your article, Joe, about rushing. And I think it was the fact that did you, did you say Ritter's rushing, rushing attempts per game have gone down each of his first three years at UC. Yeah. He, he averaged a little over 11 his first season. And then it was a 10 and a half his second year and then 9.8 last year. And, and I think one of the keys for this season is going to be him getting effective rushes, but minimizing that contact because obviously we don't want Ritter getting beat up. Um, he's proven back in 2019, if he takes a big hit, it kind of derailed his season that year. So I think if he stays between eight and 10 rushes a game, you know, at six per carry, I think he's going to be very effective on it, but he'll still have a great year rushing the ball. The other name I've seen floating around is sort of a good comp for what Des Ritter brings to the table and what he did in his college career was Colin Kaepernick uh, from a style of play standpoint. And I thought about it. I, I, I think Colin Kaepernick personally is a much more explosive athlete than Des Ritter is. Um, or I should say he was a much more explosive athlete, but I looked at his statistics and his sophomore and junior seasons, he was doing about, I think 12 rushing attempts per game. And then his senior season that may have, I think it stayed the same. It was basically his last three years. He was, he was hitting about 12 rushing attempts a game, roughly 20 rushing touchdowns. I think between 17 and 20 rushing touchdowns each season. It's such a big asset for him as a player it is going to be interesting to see them toe the line between risk and reward, because I think it is super valuable for our offense to lean into it and to embrace it and know that it's, it's a valuable component of keeping our offense humming while also just like you said, minimizing the risk of injury and making sure he's not taking big hits and just making sure he's being smart with the risk he's taking in terms of hits and, and not getting beat up too badly. And if, if, 
honestly, the offensive line plays into this because if he's taking a lot of shots when dropping back to pass, you're not going to want to enhance that risk even more by making him rush more, but it might be the answer to, you know, a weak offensive line or an offensive line that struggles with pass protection. I think it all kind of fits together as sort of, you know, a challenge the football team is going to have to overcome this coming season. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see if the offensive line can hold up for him. Uh, because I think if the offensive line struggles more like they did in 2019, you're going to see him run like 15 times a game and he'll probably have a bigger year rushing the ball than he did passing. And and that's not to say that that's a bad thing either. Uh, I think he has the skill set. I mean, he's got such a long stride when he gets gone, he's just gone. So I, I do think uh, from his standpoint and from the offensive scheme, he's going to want to throw the ball, but I think he's got the legs to make up first any gaps we might see on the offensive line if they do develop. Well, at this point, I will transition then to his backup QB two heading into season two for Evan Prater. You probably don't have to go into to our backups in too much detail, but Evan Prater is, I think the, is he still the highest rated recruit in UC football history or has he been passed up by, by a 21 or 22 recruit? He's still the highest, but by, by a pretty thin margin, they're, they're starting to catch up. <laughs> the bar has been raised on, on recruiting expectations. And we're going to see a lot more guys come in with Evan Prater's stature, but he's obviously highly touted. He's local to Cincinnati, played at Wyoming high school and uh, didn't get much action freshman year. And that's, that's what you would expect for, for a guy who's backing up Des Ritter, you know, a guy who's going to finish in the top five winningest quarterbacks of all time. And uh, the same will be true this year. He's, he's going to be the backup. And I thought you made a good point that in the first two weeks of the season, they may want to get him some reps in the second half. Are you, do you have expectations for Evan Prater? Are there things you want to see from Evan Prater? What do you, what should we talk about when it comes to the highly touted freshman, I guess, highly touted second year player at this point? Well, the first thing that I'm curious about, I think when the uh, NIL uh, legislation goes through, I think he's got a real shot at being the next uh, head and shoulders model for Procter and Gamble. I mean, that hair is just absolutely incredible. Luscious. Um, so I think, uh, I think with Prater, especially if he's coming in in relief, we're going to want to see how his arm looks. Uh, we know that he's got legs, he's quick, he runs the ball a lot, but I want to see how he goes downfield and attacks coverage. And I'll be really curious to see how he does in those first two games. Cause I do think he'll get some pretty good run against Miami. I know that they had kind of given us fits the past couple of years, but I just don't see him stacking up this year. And then, uh, you know, in our second game, I, I think he'll be in probably almost the entire second half. So um, I also look to see him get some time against a couple AAC opponents if we're blowing him out pretty early. So I think he'll probably get five appearances this year. I want to see him make good decisions with the ball. I don't want to see him making mistakes, forcing bad passes, um, running the ball when he should, that kind of thing. Because I, I do think he's very similar to Ritter uh, as a player. So I think it could be a pretty seamless transition going from – Ritter to Prater in a game. That was going to be my next question was sort of the mold of his game and, and his, and his kind of physical profile. He does seem almost like a facsimile of Des Ritter. Is he, you know, from a, from an athleticism standpoint, is he just as fast? Is he, 
Is he more athletic? Is he more, is he quicker? Does he have a more accurate or a bigger arm than Ritter? How do you think those, those tools compare to Dez? I think he's definitely comparable. I haven't seen enough of him to say that he's, he's better or worse. Uh, but I have read that speed wise, they're very similar, uh, but their running style is a little different where uh, Ritter has more of like a runner stride and Prater's just got like that relentless speed, you know, where his legs are just churning over and over. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how he plays against college competition uh, this season. For sure. Hopefully we don't, you know, I hope we see him in very controlled snippets this year you know i don't want to see a ton of evan prater outside of those uh closing stretches of blowout victories if we're seeing him in a different capacity i suspect that's not great news for our football team in terms of the the cbi um or 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 an ny6 game i i wouldn't go that far um i do think if ritter were to go down it may hurt us in our new year six or in our uh, cbi chances but I think this team is so deep and talented, especially on defense. I still think maybe get us to a New Year's Six game. I mean, you saw Ben Bryant um, in 2019. He almost upset Memphis in uh, their game there. So I, I think there's potential, uh, but I, I hope to God we don't see it. <laughs> yeah, I think you're being very, very friendly to to Prater's abilities. I, I mean, if, if honestly, if there's not a huge drop off, that might be, that would be a wonderful news because it means the defense is just as dominant, if not more dominant than it's been in the past couple of seasons. And Prater is, is better than maybe expected this early in his career. Uh, but I can't help but think that with Des and everything he brings to the table from a leadership standpoint, from a, from an experience standpoint, I think that has to make a huge difference. So We'll see. I mean, I, I'm like you where I'm, I at least want to get some solid game time, um, especially in kind of low stakes segments where we can really see what he can do on the field and, and get a taste of what he's going to bring in the future. Cause he is, he's the quarterback of the future next season. Like that's, that's sort of preordained at this point. Right. Yeah. And unless uh, Brady Lichtenberg just comes in and just starts slinging the ball, like a madman, uh, he got onto campus this weekend, but you know, all signs point to Prater being the heir apparent and uh, the future of the Bearcats football program. So we definitely need to get some looks at him this season and get him some game experience and see where that goes. Yeah. See, I, and so while I agree, I don't want to see a lot of, of Prater because that means we've more than likely had a season or some sort of catastrophic injury to Ritter. But if something like that were to happen, I'm not going to go straight to doom and gloom um, because I, I believe in Luke Fickle. I trust in Luke Fickle. Uh, I think that he's, we've, he has, he has, I think Luke Fickle has built up enough. Uh, what do you want to say? Cachet. He's, 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 he has enough uh, equity equity in the program with his recruiting in the, tra in the trails of recruits that he's bringing in and the, in the, in the, and what we're seeing on field transpire from those recruits that if, Evan had to come in in some sort of savior role. I feel like he would be up to the task because Luke Fickle is, does such a great job with everybody that he brings into the program of running this thing that, you know, there might be a learning curve for a game or two, but I think that, I think that Evan would come through. Um, but like I said, I don't really, I don't want that because I know that means that Ritter had a 
catastrophic injury, and we, that's what we really do not want. I, I agree, Hummer. I mean, Ritter, Ritter basically limped us to a conference championship game in 2019. I mean, his completion percentage was under 60%, like almost all season long per game. And, you know, it, it really took a big performance um, by Memphis uh, in the regular season finale to get the game back to Memphis and then UC also gave them hell in the conference championship game. So uh, I, I, I think Prater could get us there if, if that's the case. But I, I agree. It's not what I want to see by any means. That's fair. I, do, I could see us still competing for a conference championship in that case. But I think in terms of aspirations for anything bigger uh, on a real national level, I think those probably go out the window at that point. And that's, that also goes back to the narrative that Hummer was describing earlier of, of having a quarterback who can theoretically be a Heisman trophy contender. I think that does help you from a national prominence standpoint to have that type of conversation happening around your football program. Yeah. It's, it's going to be awesome to see if uh, the hype meets our expectations for this year, because it could be a really special year, like even more so than like the 09 season where, you know, there was kind of some local Pike for Heisman fabricated talk. But <laughs> I, I think that, uh, you know, if Ritter comes out and starts the season off right, there may be some some real chatter on ESPN. I mean, we got some love last year, so be yeah, I don't think it's unprecedented. Slangin'. There'll be chatter on slang and that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. So the, the last guys we should mention in terms of rounding out our depth chart, you alluded to him before, Brady Lichtenberg, who's had one previous appearance, uh, and also Jack Perry. I think you said he was a Juco walk-on. Um, yeah. These guys aren't going to probably get a ton of looks, but in Brady's case, what can you share about him in terms of maybe what fans want to keep an eye on? If he's someone who could potentially threaten or provide some push to Prater for that starting role in the future. So so Brady actually hasn't had an ex- had an appearance i actually was pro- just projecting he might get in oh, okay. uh, one I'm time sorry. this season okay uh but he's a freshman, he, right yeah he's a true okay. freshman so I, misread, he actually, I misread your article there oh that's okay no problem he uh the the freshman actually moved in this weekend and the bearcats account tweeted uh some pictures from fickle's house and his sweet new party barn that he had built uh earlier today so check those out but uh Lichtenberg is actually like a pure pocket passer. So he's not really in the mold of Ritter and Prater, but this kid threw for over 9,000 yards and 109 touchdowns in high school. So this kid has a big time arm. So he's going to be more of like a Ben Bryant type player. And you're seeing the coaching staff. They seem like they're alternating between like a dual threat and a pocket passer every year, just to, you know, keep the options open if they need them. But I think I think Lichtenberg is going to come in and push Prater to to be better passing the ball. Uh, I don't expect him to surpass Prater this year, uh, but if he does, that's a great problem to have because that means he's really talented. So I, I think we might see him in the uh, second game of the year, but I don't expect to see him other than that. He'll probably get some mop up duty in the fourth quarter of that game. Yeah, that Murray State game is going to be a lot of fun from a future Bearcats standpoint. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I just still remember the years against with like Butch and Tommy 
I felt like those those Juca or those uh, FCS games, we should have just been coming out and hammering them. And it was always like a slog in the first half. And then they finally, you know, passed them up in the second. But yeah, I think I think this year it's no mercy. I think the I think the I'm looking forward to this Miami Ohio game. All right, I think that's the first game we're going to start seeing some real uh, depth coming out uh, because I think we're just going to mop the floor with Miami. Like I think we're going to put Miami back so far that they're going to they're going to reconsider having a football program. Um, I really think they're going to consider just just dumping the whole thing in the trash and lighting Jaeger Stadium on fire, um, even though the game, I believe, is here. Um, they're still going to want to absolutely burn that thing to the ground and make sure there was no mention of Miami football ever to be in existence. The only thing that they have that you could even argue that's good that came out of there, and that's arguably good that came out of there, is Ben Roethlisberger. Um, other than that, Jaeger Stadium just needs to be trashed. I don't disagree at all. I, I do want to see us play Miami two more times so we can get the all-time series lead and then just dump them. <laughs> I like where your head's at. That is, that's the exact way to approach that. Get the all-time series uh, winning percentage and then peace. We, have, we no longer have any need for this program that has completely tanked in the last decade. Yeah, they're, they're terrible. I mean... And, and it's so sad because I felt like under under Tommy a couple years they they almost got us, and it was sickening. I felt physically ill. Uh, I think it was in 2016 uh, when they they needed some like crazy BS to that we won the game on at the end with like some weird penalties. Like we had no business winning, and we we kind of fell into it, but. Yeah, we just need to get that series win and just punt them off the schedule because they bring nothing. <laughs> you heard it here first, too. So that would make how many more games in Miami? This would be two years, this, yeah. this year and one more? Yeah, and I actually think next year, and I might be wrong, so don't uh, don't hate me on this, but I think next year is actually at Paul Brown, too. So we may never need to make another trip to Yeager Stadium. Ah, oh, how about that? All right, I like it. I Miami like uh, it's the series. We we can we will tie the series this year, so it'll be. I'm going to flag 59. this. Flag this episode so that when that comes to fruition and we win the next two matchups and the series is forever more canceled, uh, we'll, we'll make sure we're playing this clip for everybody to hear and say you heard it from Joe Barnett first. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even call it a hot take. It's like a lukewarm take it's not a hot take i don't think it's a hot take either but i just think it's an extremely rational and the hotness and, uh, of the take is let's just cancel the series after we get to lead <laughs> i think i think the hot take would just say like can this be the last year can we just pay whatever it takes to get out of that game and play someone else meaningful next season but leave it as a tie maybe we should like, play maybe we should play xavier in football yeah it just feels a bit more machiavellian to say let's get the series lead first like let's let's just get the the series in our favor and then cancel it hundred percent. I mean, it's, I hate it. I hate it so much. I mean, if we're going to play an FCS team and Miami, like, ugh. I know it's not been the case as much lately, but yeah, we can't, we can't be doing both. It's, it's not great. I think if we're going to ditch Miami, Luke fickle needs to do his magic and needs to get Ohio state on a, on a schedule every year. None of this, none of this BS paying us to not play the game or later dates every year, one year in Cincinnati, one year in Columbus, one year in Cincinnati, one year in Columbus. 
Like, I know they have to play their local games, the Youngstown, their Akron's, but play a real school that's that's not just going to necessarily roll over and die for you. And, and I, I'm even willing to play that game at Paul Brown. Like, as much as I hate that stadium, it's such a dump. But I, I would actually play that game at Paul Brown to make it happen. You know, I, I'm not willing to do that anymore, though. Like, I'm, that's I what I'm it. sick of. I, I am sick of saying to Ohio State that you are so almighty and deserving that we have to bend to what you want us to do because you're so afraid to come into Nippert Stadium. So just come to the nip, all right? And then we'll go and play in your your gigantic, you know, I fit the entire world in my Coliseum Stadium. And then you can come back and play at the nip, all right? And we'll beat your ass. I love it. I do too. On that note, let's sort of wrap it, wrap it up here. Uh, Joe, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast to start doing these football previews with us. I think that was wonderful, wonderful uh, content with respect to our quarterback depth chart this coming season. And this is the start. So next week we'll bring you another, another breakdown of the next position group. Um, do we want to tell people or do we want to leave it kind of as a question mark? Let's, let's, let's not tease it yet, but it's going to be another, I think we do, we can confidently say it's going to be another position group where we feel that the guys who are going to, to play I think you should just say it. I don't, I don't know why. I don't just think you it. should be dancing around. I think you should just tell them what we're going to talk about. Okay. Fine. You get something next to look week, forward to. Look forward to talking about the cornerback position next week on the podcast. From quarters to corners. Quarters to corners. I like it. Um, Nickels and it's dimes. Probably, it's probably Nickels not a dimes. terrible idea either to bounce back and forth from offense to defense, back to offense to defense. I kind of like that idea. Um, you can find... Joe's work at republicofcincinnati.com. All of his work is on there under Joe's takes. You have your own page. You have your own uh, drop down, which is, is quite fancy. You can find it there. We, I enjoy reading your football stuff. Really appreciate uh, you bringing that to us. You're also on Twitter and I'm actually pulling up your, your handle here. It's at, at DJ Barnett, B-A-R-N-E-T-T. Follow him there for his for his Twitter takes. How how much heat do you bring on Twitter? Are you a big Twitter guy from like a uh, dropping knowledge on social? Yeah, and and I like to stir up some crap every now and then, uh, especially if I get a little sauced up. So just just uh, don't take me too seriously if you see anything you don't like. But feel free to feel free to hop into the mentions. I got into a pretty good argument with some UCF guys uh, a couple weeks ago, and they they ultimately bowed down and and uh, gave up but bent the uh, knee. they bent the knee and looked up at their champions again <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i i like to i like to mess around on twitter uh try to keep it lighthearted. uh my articles are pretty lighthearted too i like to throw some jokes in there and stuff like that i don't take them too seriously so well it's good stuff and uh we'll look forward to hearing joe on the podcast here in the in the coming coming weeks there, there's one thing too i want to point out and i want to i want to see some bearcat fans get out there and actually make make, make some of this happen there's a section on the, on the republic of cincinnati.com for bearcat bars uh, i see we got some good suggestions out in the in the great state of uh like minnesota maybe wisconsin mccoy's public house we got we got some chicago o'leary's public house we got the growler house in cincinnati shout out to andrew prenovic the former gm there um uh, but 
I want some. I need some help with with New York. I need to find a Bearcat bar in New York. Anybody have any suggestions? If you're out there listening, please, please add some more of these bars. And frankly, I do want to see some more Cincinnati bars listed here. We know there is more than one Bearcat Bearcat uh, football uh, bar in Cincinnati. The Growler House does not have a monopoly on that. As great as they are, let's let's get some submissions. I'd say, I guess I have to be the first submission. Where would be my Bearcat bar? Where do I want to watch a University of Cincinnati football game? And it is Martino's. You mentioned you tailgate behind there. Martino's is my spot to go watch a UC football game. I particularly love because their beer prices are good. This is not a paid advertisement, by the way. Uh, I really love their Buffalo chicken wrap. That thing is phenomenal. You get some the of the sweet potato like fries. The, the aesthetic, the black and yellow aesthetic. That that we can do without that, but uh, but the food is great. The staff is friendly. The location is top notch. If you're looking to to crawl on over to a game afterwards. Uh, or if it happens to be an away game, but that that would be my suggestion for a Bearcat uh, Bearcat bar. Yeah, and they they have great uh, restrooms as well that we found out during our tailgate time. So uh, the bathrooms are great. Uh, I I would like to throw out a uh, a hit for Oakley Pub and Grill as well. I think it's a pretty good spot to watch okay. a game in Cincinnati. Yeah, but uh, the Republic, I believe, is going to be at the Indiana game as well as Notre Dame. So if you guys are looking for somewhere to tailgate, just follow, uh, you can follow the Republic on Twitter at rep of Cincinnati or uh, check on the website, Republic information will be on there. Everybody's super friendly. We're chill. Um, we have a good time. So. Well, I'll definitely be heading out to a tailgate this year. Uh, hop, skipping and jump for me. I'm living in Clifton these days. So, um, yeah. Thanks again, Joe. We'll, we'll be talking soon. And uh, any parting shots for the people listening? I am fired up about Wes Miller. So uh, I, yes. not, not as big of a, I haven't traditionally been as big of a basketball guy, but uh, I've been a season ticket holder for a few years now. And it, it's awesome to see the basketball program humming along. It's nice to see content on Twitter and Instagram. Huge. It, it's also nice that our head coach doesn't look like Dracula anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm pumped about the basketball program. I'm going to give a shout out to my buddy, Dan. He asked me earlier uh, this weekend, he said, is it crazy that I'm more excited about basketball than football? And I said, yes, but I get <laughs> what you're saying. Well, on, on the social front, this is something Hummer and I complained about on the podcast throughout the season. I love football. I love basketball more. And the thing that basketball has a leg up on is for social and for social videos, it's actually easier to put cool content online, dunking three point shots, workouts. It's more intimate. There's only, you know, 13 scholarship players on a team. It should be easy to have excellent social media when it comes to a basketball team. And for the last 18 months, it's essentially been non-existent. So to see that back up and running and it's a lot of content. I mean, it's a lot of photos, a lot of a lot of videos. Ray Felt's back, hyping up the Monster Factory. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. It's an absolute 180 from where we were 90 days ago. It's a 720. I mean, God, it was <laughs> it was terrible. It was the yeah. worst. I mean, yeah. it, it like it it just wasn't fun. And I, now, even even in 2019, like I had season tickets, and it just wasn't as fun to go to games because man 
he was just a, a turd, man. He was the worst. Just a downer. But, but, just but a I'm, downer of a I'm human. ready, baby. I'm yeah. ready for this year. But Good. I'm not I don't, I don't want to skip past October. I got big plans for September and early October, but come November, you know, we might have some blowouts and need some excitement on the on the hardwood. So I think uh I think we got a bright future on the hardwood as well. So I love it. Cincinnati football guy all in on basketball again with the simple transaction of, of hiring a charismatic, energetic, and authentic young head coach. That's all it took. Joe, appreciate you being on, appreciate you being on the podcast. We will talk again soon, sir. Until then, be well. All right. You guys have a great night. Have a great week. You Cheers, too. buddy. Thank you.